You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Jack Lewin, Chief Executive Officer of the American College of Cardiology. What can we learn from the past century of healthcare policy that can better inform how we develop such policies today? Our guest is Dr. Rashi Fine, Professor of the Economics of Medicine Emeritus in the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. He's the author of the book, Learning Lessons, Medicine, Economics, and Public Policy. Welcome, Dr. Fine. Thank you. It's good to be here and to talk with you. Today, health policy is like a perennial employment opportunity with all the things going on in healthcare reform. In your recent book, you give a firsthand account of your work over your whole career advising on health policy matters. Can you tell us about your experiences developing health policy? What works? What doesn't? What have you learned? Well, let me indicate I'm 84, so I've been around a while. And that means that when I entered into this arena of health care and health policy, way back as a graduate student at Johns Hopkins in economics, there was no field. You could name all of the people who were health economists on the fingers of one hand, and that would apply even if you had lost a couple of fingers in an accident. So here I am many years later, and what do you know? There is a field. Many more economists, many more journals, many more articles, many more dollars. I don't think that we're spending more dollars because there are more economists, but the two are correlated. Not causal, but correlation. So it's turned into a lifetime job. Let me indicate that most of the things that I learned, I believe, are things that would apply to almost any field. Call it housing, call it nutrition, call it transportation. Healthcare has its own very clear, unique qualities, which I know lead me to say it's more complicated than most sectors of the economy, mm-hmm. and it is very important. I stress this. Not everyone agrees with me. I think it's very important to have been embedded in that field at a medical school. My friends are physicians. I am on a board of trustees of a long-term care institution. I have, over the years, tried to understand how physicians think and what they think about. And I think that if you sit as many economists have over the years, in your own office, playing with numbers and not really understanding the institutions, you are more likely to be in error than to be correct as you offer advice to the people in the field. Well, you've seen it from so many dimensions, and you've seen it through many years. I mean, you know, as you say, health policy was a relatively new field when you entered it, and now it's like a wildebeest migration. Uh, so they're swarming health policy and economists all over Washington to try to deal with health reform. I noticed in one of the chapters of your book, you called it keep it simple. I'm glad you didn't add that fourth word uh, stupid to that. <laughs> keep it simple. You know, y- you know, you recount that policymakers have tried to fix policy when, in fact, they made things even more complex. Can you explain that? 
I think there are two dimensions to it. Let me take the policy atmosphere. If you can't keep it simple and you can't explain it to the public and you can't explain it to the people who will be directly affected, let's take health care. That means explain it to people who had hospitals, to physicians, to nurses, and, of course, to potential patients. If you can't explain it, the chances are, A, that you're not going to get the support from the public and from the people who deliver the care, and B, that one of the components of complexity is that there are many steps in a process. And you know and I know that in each step, if you achieve 98% success, you are doing fabulously. But if there are 10 steps, by the time you've completed all 10 steps, you're no longer at 98%. You're down at, if I don't compound it, you're still down at 90%. Well, you know, I think about it in terms of what we're going through right now. I mean, there's some great things, expanding access to care, uh, pharmacy benefits for seniors, filling the donut hole incentives for prevention and chronic disease management, important insurance reforms, and so forth. But, you know, so what you're saying is that more than 2,000 pages in that bill with all the other things in there, you know, make it kind of a frustrating process for people. And, and, you know, most people are waiting for the movie, I guess, you know, instead of reading the bill. It's certainly been a frustrating process for the administration, which has been unable, I think it's a fair statement, unable to galvanize support even from people who will be the direct beneficiaries of the law once it is implemented in 2014. Yeah, and the Congress, of course, made the law and they added the complexity. But, you know, do you think that then what you're saying about keeping it simple, health scholars today, maybe are they too specialized to even understand how to keep it simple and articulate the essence of things? Oh, I don't know that specialization. It may be that the temptation that any advisor has is to satisfy his or her need for thorough, complete answers to all the questions. And I understand why, if you're developing a game plan for the National Football League, Super Bowl, you're, as a coach, going to try and anticipate everything. But there comes a point where, by anticipating everything, Nobody can understand what they ought to be doing, and that's not the way the world works. Things change unexpectedly. One would have hoped, I would have hoped, I did hope, that some of the things be specific. If a bill that is trying to answer every question includes malpractice insurance issues, litigation issues, cost issues, cost for long-term care issues, reimbursement policies, payment policies. What do you do about an individual if you're linking it, as the bill does, to Medicaid and to levels of income for subsidy? How often are you going to ask the question, what is your income? Are you going to ask it once a year, looking at IRS data? Are you going to ask it, as in many states for Medicaid, more often than that? By the time you're through, you do not have something that you can implement easily, and you don't have what I would term an efficient system. You're spending a lot of money on things that do not bring medical care to the individual. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD. 
the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jack Lewin. Our guest is Dr. Rashi Fine, Professor of the Economics of Medicine Emeritus in the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. He's the author of the book, Learning Lessons, Medicine, Economics, and Public Policy. We are discussing strategies for developing interdisciplinary, realistic health policy in an era of health system reform. Well, you know, creation of health policy, Rashi, must be more than just having the data. I guess you need to know what to do with the information, as you've been implying, and how to present it in a way that people can understand it. How did you manage to get the most relevant information to policymakers at the right time in your career? I was lucky. When I came to Washington, the first time that I was going to be in an advisory capacity, I was on the staff of President Kennedy's Council of Economic Advisors. And the first day, Walter Heller, who was the chairman of the council, said, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you know your field better than I know your field. So go to it. I was lucky enough, smart enough, to call a friend of mine who had been in Washington for years and to say, Selma, what do I do? And Selma said, I'll call you back later in the day with a list of people who have been working in Washington at the congressional level, in the Department of what was then Health, Education, and Welfare, in the Bureau of the Budget, etc. And you're going to invite them to have lunch with you. And they're going to accept because you're with the Council of Economic Advisors next door to the White House. And you're going to learn from them what's on their agenda, what have been the problems that they've faced, etc. And so for the first month, I spent time gaining weight, and I learned what reality was. And I also learned one other thing, which I think is extraordinarily important, that these civil servants, at that time at least, were very knowledgeable, and that it was very easy for somebody coming from the university, as I was coming from Chapel Hill, to sort of be a little bit disdainful of them. Hey, I'm a professor and you're a government employee. You don't get anywhere that way. And you deny yourself the knowledge. These these were people who had files on... Well, I think there's some of them reversing that whole trend today, you know. I encounter people on the inside who think they know everything about it. So I think, you know, it's, it's both A little ways. humility goes a long yeah. way. It sure does. It sure does. Well, you know, there's a lot of doctors listening to us today and hospital-related professionals. What would you advise them in terms of all this? What are the common mistakes that physicians and healthcare professionals make in trying to influence health policy? What advice would you give to doctors and professionals in healthcare who want to help shape the policy at this time of great change? Well, one of the chapters in my book is about words, and words matter. And I think that in the relationship between physicians and lay people, physicians should be very clear that their words, they must choose them carefully. Don't use rationing or death panels, for example. (laughs) Don't use rationing. Don't (laughs) use death panels. And don't assume that the word that you know as a physician means the same thing to the layman. Physicians know a lot of Latin terms and all of that, but I'm talking about just plain English. Second, the lay people that a physician meets are necessarily going to be of different ages, and the physician is aware of that as she or he renders care. 
But be aware that different age groups come with different sets of experiences. I noted that I'm 84. I treat my physician, even though I know them well and I know that they are not all gods and they are not all perfect. I treat them... How about demigods? Demigods. (laughs) (laughs) I treat them the way my father treated them, as people with authority. They know more than I do about things. Now, my son asks many more questions of his physician than I do. He probes deeper, and physicians should be aware that there are different age groups, different sets of experiences, different kinds of relationships. Some people have been in HMOs, some people haven't, and they bring different knowledge bases. I think keeping it simple as a matter of policy, I think physicians have another burden, and this is a very special one in today's world, and that is the burden of acquainting people with the fact, and it is a fact, that physicians do an awful lot of good. And I say that because there are an awful lot of young people out there, by young I mean in their 30s or 40s, who live far away from their grandparents and don't know how much care their grandparents get, whose parents are still pretty healthy and who themselves feel almost immortal. And they are very cynical and they are very skeptical. And they are so impressed with how much health care costs that they forget that what health care costs buys health care and an awful lot of it. And I think that the physician has a burden to try, I'll put it to you this way, I taught an elementary course in healthcare economics. I had a requirement that every student spend 12 hours, preferably 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., sitting in the emergency room of a local hospital. I wanted them to be aware that there are sick people because at that point in time, Newsweek had a front cover with a picture of a CAT scan machine saying the doctor's latest toys. And there's a lot of that attitude out there that this is a field which is one big ripoff. It's been a fascinating discussion with you and thank you for all the contributions during your career, Rashi. We've been talking with Dr. Rashi Fine about strategies for creating interdisciplinary realistic health policies. Dr. Fine, thank you for being our guest. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.